My next guest is on the phone. First time we've talked. Know of his work. Is a former NFL wide receiver turned filmmaker who played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Cincinnati Bengals, Carolina Panthers, and the Baltimore Ravens. He retired in 2007 and moved to L.A. to pursue a career in entertainment. Since then, he has gone on to direct music videos, short films, feature films, television, and web series. He's an NFL alum, director, Monkey Ball, excuse me, Monkey Paul Production Films and Television Executive, and author of a, what I just read it last night called Hair Love. He currently is a television executive, like I stated earlier, with Monkey Paul Productions. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my man, Matthew A. Cherry. Hey, how you doing? Well, you got a lot going on, you know, for, for <laughs> to be a former football player. <laughs> a couple things, a couple things. You know, first of all, you know, uh, a sport that I, you know, a sport that I would never play because physically, uh-huh. uh I don't know. I, I looked at it this weekend. I'm going, how do y'all do it? So do you look back, Matthew, and go, how did I do it or why did I do it? Um, No, not at all. Um, You know, I think it's just uh, some people, you know, like when, you, when you're growing up, you live in certain environments and neighborhoods, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of what all your friends are doing, and, you know, you, you want to kind of stay off the streets and make sure that you have something else going on, and, you know, football growing up in Chicago was uh, was kind of that for me. So, um, no, not at all. Chicago. I was in Chicago. I lived in Chicago. I was uh, was I was producing uh, executive producer Steve Harvey's talk show from 2012 yep. to 2016. And um, my man, uh, I got clothes, winter clothes that I had to buy in Chicago that I wear nowhere else. Hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it gets pretty pretty fr- frosty out there. <laughs> So do you miss the cold? That's all I'm asking. Do you miss the cold of, of Chicago, my friend? No, no. I live in L.A. now, so, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't miss it at all. Yeah. So let's talk about you getting started in this business because, like I said, yeah. you know, everybody stereotypes individuals. You know, you're, yep. you're, you're a football player. When you start trying to get out of that window, people can look at you like, hmm, why, how, mm-hmm. uh is that is that even possible? Even it, and I, I liken that to the fact that you know I, I come from the inner city, uh, Matthew, and I my degree is in mathematics. I I wanted to be a stand up comic, and people would look at me like, okay, stand up comic, you're not Richard Pryor, you're not Red right. Fox. So people always want to block you. I always tell people you have to be careful to people who 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 you might consider your family, your your loved ones, or your best friends, because they can be the first people to throw out the negative statements, can throw out the blocks. So, right. so when you when you were, when did you when did you start developing these skills that I that I introduced you as directing and editing all that comes into play. When did you start developing these skills? Um, you know, it was something I was always interested in, man. Um, you know, probably as early as high school. Um, I remember uh, wanting to uh, you know kind of join like the radio and the TV club that they had in, uh, at my school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I majored in radio and TV broadcast in college. So, you know, I knew that um, I knew always knew eventually whenever I got done playing sports that, you know, this would be my kind of long term career. And it was just kind of a matter of what the approach might be. But, um, yeah, I always, always knew. Now, would, would, I, would I say all this? So you 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 no longer play professional football. You say you mm-hmm. move to Los Angeles. Now, did you move yep. with established relationship or you moved out there just to, you know, you say, hey, man, this is where I'm supposed to be. I got to go and get my feet wet and start making it happen. 
Yeah, you know, when when I was playing ball, um, I actually came out to L.A. for the first time in like 05 when I was with the Bengals. And um, this uh, radio personality that I work with in Cleveland at the radio station out there uh, basically uh, asked if I wanted to come out for the BT Awards and just kind of hang out. And I was like, you know, this would be a good opportunity to kind of right. <laughs> get eyes on, you know, the city and kind of see what it's like. And I just love that it was just all about production, you know, like the coffee shops, you got all, nothing but writers in there writing scripts, uh, you know, even the print and copy stores, you know, they offering discounts on headshots and script printing. And uh, it, it just felt right. And um, I was lucky enough to meet a person who was a part of this uh, program called Streetlights. And Streetlights is this nonprofit organization that kind of helps men and women of color get jobs as production assistants in the industry, like mm -hmm. in mostly the commercial world. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, basically, you know, met her, we vibed, uh, asked her if she would kind of put me down as a reference, and she did. And um, I applied to this program, and I got in. And so when I moved to L.A., this was kind of like the only really uh, relationship that I had coming out there. And I kind of came out here knowing that I was going to be doing this, like, production assistant training program. And, you know, as you know, production assistants, like, you do all the odd jobs, like taking <laughs> I know the what garbage, a PA is. moving yeah. the director's chairs, getting <laughs> the talent out the dressing room, bringing them to the stage, like stuff like that. But, you know, it's a great opportunity to actually physically get on set and to kind of see what everybody does and try to figure out what it is that you may want to do for a living. We know it's really important that you said that because, you know, a lot of people, they have standards, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to do that, you know, but... But I, I, I tell people when you, as a, as a production assistant on the set, they always call them PAs. And, yeah, PAs, yep. And so you get, you get, to really, get to really get into some areas where you wouldn't normally get if you were just a producer. Because a PA right. can, you know, plus you can, like, get into writer's rooms. You can ask mm -hmm. productions. You can, you, can be, you can sit down next to a director. But you have to have your game plan. You know, you can't be annoying. Mm -hmm. You have to be a person that doesn't look too comfortable. Because a lot, a lot of people, want, they want to just sit down, you know. In other words, you almost got to be just be in the back of the room and blend in. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't understand that. You know, I always tell people in my life, uh, I don't always, and you might be the same way with you, Matthew. It's not about the financial opportunity. It's about the opportunity. Now, yep. it's what you do with that opportunity that can lead to a financial opportunity. And, yep. and a lot of people don't understand that just getting in the door. He said that really clear. And that's why I try to make sure people who, Come on my show, let them know the end results. You know, Black Klansman is the end result, okay? And he, and plus, that's not his end. end. I shouldn't even say that. That's one of his accomplishments that we, we all are aware of. But before that, he was just a PA. Yeah. And a PA. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's the thing, though, about PAing. It's like, you know, sometimes when you come out there and you, you kind of think you already know what you're doing, sometimes that can hinder you because, like, you you may be closed off to kind of all these other opportunities, you know? And being a PA is just such a great way to just, like, literally spend a little time with every department. And kind mm -hmm. of, okay, do I want to get in hair and makeup? Do I mm -hmm. want to be a grip or electrician? You know what I mean? Like, you really can kind of find your, your, your you know, whatever it is that you're trying to get into long-term, you know? Absolutely. So, Matthew, let's talk about hair love, okay? Uh, yeah. Like I said, I, I, you know, I have a daughter, or my wife, you know. Uh, uh, I, I've done my attempts. Over the years, to, to, my daughter said, don't mess with my hair no more, Dad. Please stop. Okay? That's not what you do. Okay? I love you, but leave my hair alone. What was the uh, motivation behind hair love? Well, you know, it was um, a couple of years ago, back in 2017, I, um, you know, very, very active on social media, and I just really noticed this trend. I kept coming across uh, 
all these videos of specifically African-American fathers doing their daughter's hair. And, you know, I always like trying to share a lot of family friendly content on my social media. And it was, I was just noticing this trend where every time I share like a video of a mom interacting with their kid, you know, they would do well because a lot of times the videos were cute, but it was every time it was a black dad and a black daughter or a black dad and, and their kid period, they always just like overperformed, and yes, um, it is. Yes. I just really just noticed. You know, it, it seemed like it was kind of this double-edged sword because, like, obviously the videos are very cute and touching, but I kind of learned that it was also because people weren't used to seeing black men depicted in in this light. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we get all these negative stereotypes in the media, like we're not around for our kids, and you know, et cetera. And so them seeing like these dads that were taking the time to do their daughter's hair, it kind of felt like an anomaly. Right. And for me, like I have a lot of, I'm not a father yet, but I have a lot of uh, friends that are young fathers and it's not an anomaly to them. You know, like rent is expensive everywhere. And right. often now, now, now times, you know, both parents have to work. And so mom got to leave early or got to go out of town for something, you know, dad got to step up. You're not going to just let your kids go to school or or ever looking crazy, right? You got to you got to get it together. So you know, just kind of. I think that's what my daughter said. I was I had her looking crazy there, but I I did step up though. I did step up, Matthew. Hey, Matthew, we're gonna be right back because I I want to tell everybody about this short film as well, which currently has over ten million views and was released December fifth. Wow! We're right back with more, of my man Matthew A. Cherry, changing the game on how people view things and how people, you know, you can do it. You know, he start here and go there. You can be a, you can be. You can make a transition in life and not be afraid to be successful someplace else. We'll be right back with more money-making conversations. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and uh, you're listening to Money-Making Conversations. Talking to a former NFL wide receiver, transitioned, made a decision, hey, I went to school for this. Uh, We all know that when you're dealing with athletics, there's a, a window, so you have to plan for that next life. His next life was to go to L.A., leave, you know, he Born in Chicago, so he knew about that cold weather. So he knew there had to be an exit plan away from that cold weather. And so he went to L.A., where he still resides, and um, Monkey Paw Productions, where he resides, television executive. And he created this uh, book called Hair Love and then this short film called Hair Love. And uh, he posted it December 5th on YouTube, and now it currently has over 10 million views. I ask you, Matthew A. Cherry, did you expect that? Um, you know, I don't think you can ever predict kind of how a thing will be received. I mean, we had a little indication that it'd be well received because we had a theatrical release in front of Angry Birds 2 back in August. It was like August 14th, I believe was the date. And, um, you know, got a lot of love. Uh, It was kind of a universal, um, good reception, you know, families of all different backgrounds and types, uh, seemed like they were digging it and feeling it. And, um, so the thing I was most excited about when it came to putting it online was just, you know, it getting access to audiences that, you know, kind of don't have the resources to go to the movies every week and, you know, just getting it out there even more, even internationally. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy reception for sure. Now let's talk about bringing this, this project to animation. Talk about that process. Yeah. You know, so we did a Kickstarter campaign for it two years ago. Um, it was kind of in part just because, like, this being a medium I'd never done before, animation, I knew that it would be hard for me to go to different studios and try to pitch it 
outright, you know, and especially it being like a simple story about a dad doing their daughter's hair, you know, like right. I, I knew it would be something that I would have to show people as opposed to telling them. And so we did this Kickstarter campaign and it just took off like crazy. Like we ended up uh, raising almost $300,000 in 30 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, our initial goal was 75, you know, and we kind of blew past that goal. And um, it was just in- insane. You know, we ended up getting a book deal uh, through our Kickstarter campaign, through a Penguin Random House. And, um, you know, really we're just about putting a really great team together. So, you know, in animation, as you may or may not know, like it's not the most diverse uh, field in, <laughs> in, in entertainment, you know what I mean? And yes, you know, sir. I already really knew of two or three people of color um, or black people specifically that were working in the field. And because it's centered on the black dad and the black father, I thought yes. it'd be really important to try to, get as many people that were black in that field kind of involved with the project. So one of the first people I reached out to was Peter Ramsey, who's one of the co-directors on Into the Spider-Verse, which won the Oscar uh, last year. And then this other uh, black animator named Frank Abney, who worked at Pixar. And, you know, long story short, you know, looking at different places where to get the get the short done, um, we ended up getting uh, this relationship with uh, Karen Tolliver, at the time was working at Fox, but who ended up moving over to Sony. And she, you know, eventually it was a very organic, like we were just working on it, working on the characters, developing it. And eventually, uh, you know, Sony ended up uh, just really being helpful and ended up distributing the film in front of uh, Angry Birds too. And then uh, now they're kind of helping us with our Oscar campaign. Cool. This is a, uh, this is really, this is really special. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I'm talking to Matthew A. Cherry his project, Hair Love, is an animated short film about an African-American father trying to do his daughter's hair for the first time, and it plays yep. out. Now, at the end of the video, you know, we, we the, I want to say that's the mom. You say what? That's the mom character that's in the, yeah. oh, yeah. that, 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 that has no hair. And, I, yep. and, that, and that plays an important role in it. And why was that, why, why was that a part of the, 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 the story? Um, you know, it really was just about kind of character development. You know, like you, you have this young girl who obviously is growing up with her mom being this really popular natural hair blogger. And now she's waking up knowing it's a special day. And, you know, it's like kind of the one thing that she can't do on her own. You know, mm-hmm. we try to establish her like she's able to get up and get dressed and, um, you know, get you know kind of get her day started. But the one thing she can't do is her hair and she has to enlist her father. And for me, it was just really about like, what would be the most touching kind of gesture that this young girl who knows how much her mom's hair meant to her right. could do when they're going to pick her up from the hospital and the act of uh, her getting her dad to do her, her hair in a style that, you know, she really liked that her mom did for her and also presenting that picture <laughs> that showed that, you know, no matter what, whether you have hair or you don't have hair, I still see you as a queen. Um, you know, cause it's, it's a real thing, you know, like, you know, when black women, you know, you end up getting sick and you lose your hair. Like, it's a really big thing that, you know, a lot of people tend to be so conscious about. And we just wanted to show that kind of regardless whether you had natural hair, your hair was straight, you didn't have hair at all, that, you know, you're still beautiful and, you know, kind of doing that through the daughter. Excellent work, man. The, the animation is very clean, very clean. The uh, the story is uh, is, is, is funny. It's uh, it's engaging. It's, it feels real. Uh, when the, when the father looks across and sees all of those those hair care products on that shelf in the bathroom, you know, it, you know, as a as a father who, you know, who makes that attempt for the very first time, it probably is five times that, you know, 
because <laughs> you just don't know what to do. You don't know what step to, to go, and, and your daughter's looking at you going, they know you don't know. First of all, they know right. you don't know. They know confusion, okay? And and they start questioning you because for the first time in your life as a father who's making an attempt to do that, you're not very confident in your effort. Not confident right. in your effort. And so so when I look at this, man, first of all, I just want to say congratulations because you, because what you are doing is, first of all, being a, being a transition to be to reinvent yourself and to, and and to do a project like this that is that is being that's being considered for awards that is being uh like you said translating and making people feel they can do this too it's just a, just a simple concept that's turning the heads out there but you tied to one of the most popular production companies in the world Monkey Paul Monkey Paul Production which is Jordan Peele's production company Us mm-hmm. Get Out Twilight Zone. You've been, yep. uh, you worked on the, uh, the Academy nominated project, uh, Black Klansman. What, yep. what do you want to do? What is your goal? You know, we, we started, we, we was a former NFL football player, we was a former PA. Now you got this hot animated project out there. You've executive produced the Black Klansman. What mm-hmm. do you want to do, my friend? Um, you know, I'm kind of doing it now. You know, it's just, uh, for me, it's just continuing to create projects that kind of elevate and humanize black people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, be that in any medium, be that animated, live action, TV, or film. Um, you know, I'm, I'm directing television now, too. So I just uh, did an episode of Blackish that will be coming out around Valentine's Day. Uh, just booked a big movie that hasn't been announced yet, but I'm really excited about. And, uh, you know, trying to figure out a live action feature as well. So, you know, just continue to work and kind of reinvent myself, man. That's really the goal and the dream. Now, the dream. Now, the last OG, that's you? Yeah, yeah, I, I was a co-producer and a director on that show, too. So, yeah, it's been really great. Listen, Matthew, uh, Matthew, you need to stop being humble. This is a humble interview, Matthew. You, this is a humble interview, you know. You you know, you you, 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 you got it going on, my man. You know, <laughs> just, the reason I say that, because, you know, I'm Hollywood. I, I went out to Hollywood in 1990. I know, yep. you know, when they buried all the sitcoms on WB. And UPN, yep. you know what I'm saying? Where mm-hmm. it, it uses as starter starter kits. And when I yep. see, I, 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 you, you are in a, you are in a, uh, for a guy of your talents, are, are is at Hollywood at a good time? You know, where we can start telling our stories. When I look on, when I look at TV commercials, I see, uh, I see interracial people on TV, uh-huh. dating, buying insurance together, buying cars together. Where only a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, when a little black girl. Mixed race black girl went in a hot room for Cheerio. They wanted to shut down Cheerios. You know what I'm saying? That ain't that far right. from that. And to be able to right. see stories that are being told by Ava DuVernay and to be hear this, to hear this right here, you're saying you're comfortably saying, "I want to tell African American stories," because you know yep. now there's a demand or need or request for that type of content. That has to make you feel good. Yeah, man. I mean, I think, you know, nowadays, like, you know, you're talking about back in the day with like the CW and the WB and UPN and all that, like, you know, now there's so many more networks and places that are doing original content. So, you know, it's just kind of like a byproduct of that. Like the more outlets that need content, you know, the more opportunities that, you know, black creators and creators of color are going to have to be able to tell their stories and, you know, hopefully do them in a, in a good way that, you know, makes their people look good. So, you know, just want to, continue that you know people like Ava DuVernay and Jordan and Barry Jenkins you know are all kind of been mentors to me and people who I really uh 
just uh, admire and want to follow in their footsteps. So, well, I'm telling you something. You, the, you, you are a special talent. If I can compliment you in that manner, and you accept it. Uh, my wife always tells me I don't know how to say thank you when people compliment me because of the fact that some of the things I'm just doing what I love to do. And, yep. and you're doing what you love to do. Sometimes you don't understand that what you what you have a unique talent and you're accomplishing things that are not normal. And I'm yep. just, I'm, I feel fortunate that you called my show so I can share your story and know in the future when that big movie come out that you can't say right now that you come back on Money Making Conversations so we can talk about that too. Okay. Yeah, no doubt, man. No, definitely. You know, you, you know, you got me, man. It's, it's all good. I appreciate you, Matthew A. Cherry.